are listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood, and on the program with me today, I have Rocky Thomas. Now, Rocky is the CRO at Soundstack, and she is also one of the very first people that I ever talked to when I got into the podcasting space. So her and I go back a couple of years. I'm super excited to have her on the program. Welcome to the show, Rocky. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have fun discussions with you, which is always great about moving this space forward and continuing iteration of podcast. What I have always loved about you, Rocky, is that you have a very deep understanding of so many things in the audio space. And I do remember that first conversation we had after we got off the phone, I was like, oh my gosh, this woman knows so much. I will never know as much as she knows. And I still do not know as much as you know, but you just have such, I think with your background in audio overall, and with all of the technical background that you bring, your experience is really just super rich. So I'm excited to, to kind of dive in today. And we're going to talk about something we don't talk about a ton on the program, and that's programmatic advertising. So we talk a lot about host reads. We love our host reads, but I really am excited to dive into programmatic advertising a bit um, to start our conversation out. So can you tell us what programmatic advertising is? Yeah, so programmatic is essentially the transaction of campaigns electronically between platforms. So um, what we used to do is, you know, and a lot of people still do this, especially if you're doing direct orders with embedded, is you get an insertion order or you get a request for proposal, you negotiate the deal, and then you, you, you cut the ads and, or you do the live reads. And that is one way. There's a lot of back and forth between it. What programmatic enables is more of an automatic way of transacting those ads. And it gives the buyers a little bit more control combined, you know, with dynamic ad insertion to basically switch out creative that might be a little bit more, um, more effective. Say something happens like with COVID and they wanted to stop their campaigns. They don't really have to reach out to you directly to make that happen. It's really just makes the process a lot more automated. And there's different ways that we work in programmatic. So one is programmatic guarantee, which is really just like doing a direct buy, a, a direct transaction. It's the only difference is, is that the advertiser is trafficking that on their side for dynamic ad insertion, but the handshake has already happened. The money's already been discussed. The campaigns are already there. It's just instead of having somebody on the podcast or creator side or at the podcast trafficking it, it's really that that falls onto the demand side and gives them a little bit more control of the campaign, which is kind of nice. And that one's just kind of like more like just like direct, you know, business just being transacted in that way. Another way that we transact business programmatically is that a podcast, a publisher might put their inventory into what we call a private marketplace. So what that means is think of it kind of like a little bit of an exclusive club of sorts. It's not an open marketplace. You have to be, you know, the, the publishers have to either be invited or be added to that marketplace. And then the demand partners and the advertisers are also part of that. So they're vetted to some extent. In that case, that allows the publisher to set floors. So say they only they don't want to take less than $10 CPM, they can set floors, they can set certain type of deals. So if they are a network that has like a lot of different flavors of podcast shows like finance versus true crime, they can actually set deals and put their inventory in a, a pack or a supply pack that allows the um, advertiser to go ahead and access that. 
The one of the bigger differences in that scenario is that you have the ability to have demand partners bid against your inventory. And it's, sometimes it causes a little bit of anxiety, I guess is the best way to put it, because it's, you know, you're like from the publisher side, if they don't have floors set, they're worried it's going to be too low or too high. But with when you're setting actual floors, they have that feeling that it's not going to go below a certain dollar amount. And what's nice is, is if, if ever, if there's a lot of demand for that podcast show, they're able to really, the podcast publisher is able to see to increase the CPM based on that demand. The last one is the one that we do at Soundstack, which is Marketplace, or also called like ad networks or audience networks. That is where we aggregate a lot of podcast publishers. And this is the one that I see a lot of growth in because we have a lot of mid-tail and medium-sized publishers, or even sometimes larger publishers who are just getting into programmatic. They're just trying to figure out how they're going to manage the direct business, which is sometimes the embedded business up against like national or programmatic type of ads. And what our role in that is really to work with all the demand partners, all the connectors and all the really the heavy technical side of the business and bring them into a marketplace, work with all of these publishers. We have over 6,000 publishers of podcast publishers, as well as what we call linear or over the air broadcasters on the digital side come in. And then we're able to kind of act like brokers and wholesalers to make sure that everybody is getting as optimized and as filled as possible with the highest rate possible. And, um, and sometimes it's a mixture too. Sometimes we have uh, podcasters who participate in our marketplace, but they also participate in other marketplaces or other type of deals. It, what we're starting to see is a really, finally, I think podcast publishers are understanding that this is really a way to optimize revenue. And I think when it's done in combination with solid direct sales, it's really, really powerful for a lot of different publishers. That was a very long answer, so sorry. <laughs> no, that's perfect. And I appreciate that you broke it out into the three different kind of arenas, because I think that that is, is good to know. And, you know, one thing that I always like to make sure podcasters understand is that their show isn't specifically being selected with programmatic. The advertiser is buying essentially a demographic of people. It depends. So that's actually a great point. So what's interesting, the difference between the second one where it's a private marketplace, where it's it's a limited amount of publishers as well as advertisers, we actually, most of those tend to do transparency. And so what that means is that say, I don't know, just peanut butter, I'm just trying to grab a brand, just peanut butter wants to go ahead and like, you know, buy an ad on like maybe a mom focused podcast, they can go ahead and create a unique deal to set the rate. Okay. So they can even do what kind of quasi direct deals within the private marketplace to say, listen, whenever you want to buy my podcast, I'll give it to you, Jeff, for a $12 CPM up to 1 million impressions. And they can go in and buy that as they need to. It doesn't go into the open auction, but allows them to basically transact that deal. It's called an always on deal. It means I'll always take, I'll always take money from Jeff and I'll always take it at this rate. And I'll always allow them to buy this amount of impressions when they need it. And so it allows them to go in and out of that inventory where on the second one, you are correct. It's a little bit more opaque. It's more of an audience buy. I want to buy, like a buyer would come in and say, I want to reach financial podcasts in the LA market for uh, people who are 35 plus. And that could be across 50 podcasts. And so it's really about reaching the listener in the time and the content that they're listening with the most effective advertising possible for a better return on investment and efficiency for the advertiser. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just touching on the always on, those shows are going to be very large shows, right? They're not necessarily going to be mid-sized publishers. Typically, yeah, you're right. Typically, that tends to be. And that's where, so what we're seeing is, you know, we had a lot of really great early adopters and dynamic ad insertion about, about, about eight to 10 years ago, like WNYC and a lot of the NPR stations started getting into this. And which is really exciting because it was allowing the direct sellers to really manage their advertising campaigns or their underwriting campaigns in that case to the most effective way possible. And I think the best compliment we used to get with our ad insertion is that I would say this and they're like, well, WNYC actually like inserts. I'm like, yeah, you can't tell. And that's how it should be. You know, it should be a seamless brand experience. It should sound like It's just like a normal underwriter in their podcast. So we're starting to get more comfort around that technology piece. And the next iteration was like, all right, I want to go and start working in programmatic and I want to basically have controlled deals. And that was the programmatic guarantee and the PMPs. And now I think we're starting to get to another level, which I think is really important because to your point, Heather, it was very limited and the publishers that could actually play in that first two arena, they're quite large. And what we want to do in the industry is really democratize this process. And, and why is, uh, to answer a question, why is it just the launch large folks are getting and large publishers are getting involved in this? It's really not so much about size as much as it's a, it's a cost. Some of these platforms are expensive unless you have enough advertising to support those type of platforms. So what we are working with, you know, like with Blueberry and a couple other podcast companies is really figuring out how we can bring the upper mid tail and even long tail into this because there's so much great content out there. And I think that I, I, I see a future where, you know, where we're able to really get pretty finite on our targeting, like a fishing podcast or a sewing podcast. And where you have like very specific advertisers who would love to be part of that. They just don't know how to reach five, you know, fishing, you know, podcasts or like more niche stuff without having to go individually and cut these deals. So uh, that's where I get excited because I think there's a lot of opportunity in that type of stuff because advertisers just want advertising that works. Right. And and they will give you money all day long as long as they're seeing a positive return of investment. And I think us as an industry really needs to help shepherd those relationships. So they they want to keep on buying more and they want to keep on investing And then it helps support the creators to keep on growing and expanding podcasts Mm -hmm. and all the other great stuff. Because if we don't sponsor it, if we don't have sponsors and we don't have revenue, it makes it a a pretty tough model. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and I think one of the things that you touched on that is important for us to talk about is that, so, you know, we've been talking about programmatic. These are pre-recorded announcer red ads that are being inserted. And I I do find, and I had a conversation just yesterday with a podcaster that we've been working with that is doing dynamic insertion and they did not understand it. And of course they have, you know, an audio team that's been putting the insertion points in there, but you have to have the technology side of things to to access any of this, right? And so that is so important that podcasters understand that if you're with a hosting provider that isn't giving you the tech that you need, it really does handicap you. And that dynamic ad insertion is really just the technology to essentially dynamically insert content into your show. And it doesn't even have to be ads necessarily, right? It could be anything that you're dynamically inserting, but you have to have that technology. 
I agreed. I started my radio career a long, long time ago. And I didn't have a list because, you know, that you started with, I'm totally dating myself, Yellow Pages. And um, it's it basically started calling people. Yeah. And um, I learned very quickly, um, you know, over there, radio was actually the, the, the very first personal endorsement kings, you know, and they still are to this day. And I learned quickly that I would go and interview all of my on-air guys and be like, where do you eat? Where do you sleep? Where do you take your family and everything else? And then I would go to these like stores and be like, have you seen this guy with his headshot? He's like, yeah, he comes in here a lot. I'm like, he would love to endorse your product. He already loves the store. He already loves this restaurant. And I quickly saw how, how great personal endorsement was because especially when it's like a, a authentic endorsement because they already like it. It was great. We we're turning great return on investment for the advertisers. The on-air house, you know, got some more, you know, either got the free dinners or was at like whatever part was like his part of the production. And then the, the radio station was able to make advertising revenue. And I just love that concept. And so now let's fast forward to podcasts. When I saw podcasting doing these personal endorsement or live reads or implied endorsement or however you want to say that. I loved it. The only thing that I wish that they were doing is not embedding them and actually using dynamic ad insertion to manage that. I'll tell you a couple of reasons why I like it. One is that it gives trackability and accountability for the advertiser as well as the publisher, because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So you, you get to learn as, as a podcast creator and publisher, what is effective? How is it going to be effective? And the other thing is it kind of keeps people a little honest. And when I say that is, Sometimes I listen to embedded ads and they kind of go on, I'm, they kind of go on a little long. They like, do. You know, they do. And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and when I say that, it's, it's really hard to do a very good, compelling 30, let alone sometimes an hour, or like a minute and a half. And I, it's, some people pull it off. I mean, I'm talking, but I would say most of the people, they're restating a lot. And it's almost like it gets a little long in the tooth, as I like to say. So with dynamic ad insertion, you can go as big or long as you want, but typically people tend to go on 30s, 45s, or 60s. And I think that's a nice creative restraint to mm -hmm. give hosts to really focus their message. And it, I think it ends up really benefiting the advertiser at the end of the day as well, because you know they're, they're with that type of constraint to go ahead and make that happen. I will also say I'm a big fan of, so say that I'm a big fan of, of personal endorsement live reads. I'm a big fan of direct business mm -hmm. and that is in whether you're working with like a company like yours where you represent, you know, these, these podcast shows to really place direct buys on where there, you have more of a, a really close relationship to, to like kind of create creative or craft the creative that's mm -hmm. really going to be effective. I think that's, what's great because honestly, the rates are always going to be better direct, but yeah. it's, but even the best salespeople cannot sell out a hundred percent. And that's, it's, Right. That's the bottom line. And so Absolutely. Why, why not? Right. Why not monetize that extra right. inventory that you're not able to go ahead and sell out on programmatic channels? Well, and and one of the things that I feel, and you know, if you listen to the show, you probably have heard me say this a million times, but I think that it is so important as an industry that we look to monetize every impression. And I understand that the entire industry doesn't have to be monetized. If you have a podcast and you don't want ads in it, there is nothing wrong with that. But if we're looking at it from an advertising perspective, being able to monetize every impression is what is going to really allow us to grow our revenue, right? And as much as I love host reads, as much as I think direct sales are amazing, 
we do not have the capability when we manually put ads into shows to yeah. predict how many impressions we can deliver. And mm -hmm. unless we had, you know, unless we have a crystal ball or unless we have advertisers who say, I don't care how many impressions I buy, I wanna buy all of them, which yeah. doesn't happen, right? They usually yeah. say they want a certain number, right? I yeah. want 100,000 impressions this month or what have you. So then we've got all of these impressions that are unsold. And so that's where the programmatic piece is so important because it allows you to fill in all the cracks and only technology can do that. I have to remind people, uh, especially with, let's just say audio or digital audio in general, it's a perishable media. It's not like, <laughs> yes. I, it's not like I can take my, this and be like, oh, it's not selling very well. I'm going to go ahead and put it on a markdown shelf to go ahead and on the clearance rack to go ahead and sell it. Once that opportunity is gone, it's gone. And that's where really programmatic capitalizes on that optimization and near real time, if not real time, where it's like, all right, the way the tech works, it looks to see, all right, do I have a direct ad to basically serve right now to this person in this place and in, in time in this location with all these parameters? I don't. Great. Let's go find one very quickly that we can go ahead and put in there that matches these parameters. And it's a way of optimizing all of it across the board. Another reason why I'm, I'm pretty bullish on, on, on programmatic is that it actually increases supply constriction. So when I talk about the supply constriction, that's a combination of your direct sales that you're doing, but also making sure that you're, you're, you're minimizing the amount of available inventory for even programmatic buyers. And while that sounds a little counterintuitive, but the reason is, is that when you have supply constriction, then the demand partners, the advertisers coming in and they're trying to bid and they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. It seems like I have to keep on raising my rate to basically get into this audience segment, to get into this podcast. Mm -hmm. And so the more supply constriction and the more demand diversity that we have, the more people who are bidding for, you know, bidding for your right. images, it actually elevates right. up the CPMs. Because that, remember, Heather, when we first talked, like, I don't know, gosh, six, seven, eight years ago, that was the big fear in programmatic podcasts. It's like, it's going to drive rates down. Right. And I'm like, guys, I'm not seeing, I'm okay, I'm going to make a preface. You're always going to make more money going direct. I am an ad tech girl, but I will tell you, because I used to do local direct sales, you're always going to do better. But you're, the reason why is that the advertiser is not just looking for a transaction. They're looking for a relationship. They're looking for a partnership. And you do have them on programmatic, but it's a different type of one. Right. Machine. Right. And so it's, it's really about, you know, making sure that you can optimize every impression possible in the best way possible as well. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. try not to have to hire an entire sales force to make that happen, you know, from the national or I would say what, whatever you have left over sold and having a whole bunch of different demand partners is great. That's why we, we have 65 demand partners. We have tons of publishers. And so you hear a lot, cause you, you mentioned a lot, like people think that, or podcasters think that it's not for me because I'm not a big enough show. I'm going to tell you, there's a value for you for the demand partners, because if you say, I just bought Joe Rogan for God knows how much, you know, a spot or what have you. And say I did a pretty long campaign, there's a probably large chance I'm going to have duplication in my reach. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be, I'm going to keep on hearing this. I'm going to be hitting the same people. When you have medium and long tail, we have a lot of diversity of podcast publishers. What happens is now you don't have as much audience duplication between all the impressions. And it actually creates a really good effect of reach, as we like to say mm -hmm. in an industry mm -hmm. for the advertisers. So 
it allows less burnout. Oh gosh, some of you started on creative burnout with embedded ads. That's the other thing I don't like is that when you start doing embedded ads, you start hearing the same ad. They, they play around with the creative, you know, on the live read and stuff, but it just starts to get a little old. And I think when you start getting that burnout with the listener, you start getting people who are no longer paying attention. You have less efficiency and effectiveness. I'm curious what you think. So I totally agree with you. And I think that that's one of the challenges that we're having a little bit with dynamic ad insertion right now is the frequency can be very high. So with a host read, if you're getting over, I think, um, you know, pod sites had reported that most recently, I want to say it was like a five time frequency yep. to one person, um, which I think is, is okay. To me, that doesn't seem excessive, but I find sometimes with programmatic that I get more of the same ads. And I, I find this when I watch um, streaming TV a lot, you know, where it's like, oh my gosh, I've just seen the same commercial 12 times in this one hour program. Right. And I haven't noticed that as much with podcast advertising, but do you think that there are safeguards that are put in place with programmatic ads where where you aren't going to hear the exact same ad over and over? Absolutely. So it's interesting because Connected TV is kind of going through what digital audio did. We're talking more in the linear streaming side about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I was just starting my first networks and gosh, love Home Depot and Progressive for coming in early. For sure. I was like, oh my gosh, if I hear flow one more time, I think I might be chewing my wrist. And what's interesting is that now you're seeing CTV come in and they're having the same challenges because server-side ad insertion from them is only like about four years. And it's, it's only been around for about four years, five years tops. So they're running into these frequency capping issues now. And so what's been really exciting for podcast publishers is that when that is happening, I have two responses to you when they're getting too many, like you're getting too many ads as one, they are not working with a partner that has enough demand diversity. That's the first thing they should be having different types of advertisers that's coming in. The second thing is, is that they should be working with a technology partner that we at actually, you can set how many times you want frequency capping at the show level, as well as the episode level. So you could say for, um, I don't know, like, like I'm trying to think of a category. I don't know, like restaurants. I'm just trying to think of an IEB category. You can set up the IEB category. I only want one advertiser from this category per episode. Or you can even go to the campaign level and say, I only want this advertiser. And you can do this for direct as well as for dynamic assertion for programmatic. I only want this, this, this message to be sent to somebody. Usually we call it 224 or 324. That means in 24 hours, I only want this user to hear my message two times or three times in a 24-hour period. We can expand those. We can reduce them. They're all like flyable. And so I think that the reason why we're hearing a lot of the same ads and podcasts is that we're just now starting to get to the iteration that more of the linear audio has gone. The tools are out there. Mm -hmm. I would say that a lot of advertisers don't know how to properly use them and place them yet. I think there's an education that we're always constantly doing with the advertisers. And it's it's counterintuitive because if you're a publisher, you're like, why would I ever frequency cap impressions? Because does that mean I'm capping my revenue? That's one. But I say on the other side, I'm like, yeah, but you're not killing your listeners and having them right. burn out and go away. So it's a right. balance between brand as... And you know that it's, I, I, I love advertising and I love, you know, helping publishers make money and creators, but I'm also, I'm the first person who's like, 
yeah, be careful how many ad units you put in there. Be aware because at the end of the day, you're you're creating a brand and you're creating a story and make sure it's the story you want to tell when it comes to advertising as well as content. Yeah. I do think that one of the amazing things of podcast about podcast, of course, is the engagement and the time spent listening. But I also think that podcast listeners are very ad sensitive. You know, if you are walking around with a device in your hand or your back pocket and you're listening to five, six ads in a row, you're just not going to listen. You're going to yeah. fast forward through them, right? It's not yeah. like, I mean, and Hey, I'm the first to say that terrestrial radio has way too many ads, but in general with terrestrial radio, you know, I mean, yes, maybe you're driving, maybe you're going to do, you know, channel surfing to get away from ads. But I also think sometimes, um, not that I listen to terrestrial radio very often, but sometimes it's like you change the channel and there's ads and there's ads and there's ads. And so it's like, it's harder to get away from, but when you're listening to a podcast, you are in such control over that content that you can fast forward th through them. And you don't want to burn your audience out. So I think ad load is a really important topic that we probably don't talk about enough. No, we don't. Because it's it's going to be tough as podcast creators and publishers start to get a little taste of the uh, of the revenue. It it does take control. And that's where it's interesting because, you know, I, I think Brian Berletta was talking about this, how there's really not like a program director or, you know, somebody who's basically... <laughs> you know, says, Hey, this is our show. Back clock. off. Yeah. <laughs> this is our show clock. We have this many ads here, here, and here. And I think that you're going to need those gatekeepers in the future because, yeah. you know, save themselves from like overzealous salespeople who are like, you know, or, you know, sales managers who are really trying to help that podcast, you know, show succeed. There has to be constraint and control because, and I think the other reason why I think podcast has done really well, and it's something that's made me re really sad over the years with, you know, trust radio is that, they take care on the creative. Let's be honest. Like, why is it effective? Well, because maybe they actually craft the 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 creative to sound good. I mean, and it's it's tonality matches. It's like it's so much about the endorsement or the read or the fact that it it fits. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we are trying to work in here at Soundstack too, which is like, how can we make sure that we're matching? And you know, we do better in certain days than others, but this is our goal, our iteration. How can we kind of make sure that we have the demand partners and we educate our advertisers to say, hey, that is a awesome progressive ad, but how about we just make it a dry read? You know, take out the the music, the spasticness and like the, I, we call it the used car sale sound, like side of it, because hmm? you can really, you can take the same bullet points and the same script, so to speak, and just make it a straight up read. Mm -hmm. And it sounds fine. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't need to yell at people in podcasts, I guess is my point. Right. We're pretty, we're pretty attentive when we listen. We're already engaged. You know, right. we don't need to be shocked out of a song, I guess is my point. And that's yeah. what I'm hoping we go more towards. Mm -hmm. And I would say advertisers on the programmatic side, this happened in video a couple of years ago. You're just now starting to see in the past three years, the video programmatic advertisers starting to craft their message different for TikTok, YouTube, for all these different... CTV is going to come down the way. They're going to have to make changes on that as well. It's just a, it's a different environment of how mm -hmm. people are consuming your content. Yeah. And I look at podcasts like that as well. And I, yeah, I, I think it's great because it makes it more effective for everybody.
I know I'm really actually I think the creative horizon is is really interesting and there isn't a lot that's in the creative space right now and the more obviously that we increase the programmatic ads the more we need the creative side to you know get in the program and actually create ads that people want to listen to so I think it'll yeah. be really interesting to see how that kind of segment of the podcast industry grows because it's got to I would think it has to. And I think that like we do a lot of shepherding in our company yeah. here. So we're we're very consultive. We work with both the demand side as well as the publisher side. And we really try to be the mediators and the enablers, the positive enablers in the middle. So we we see a lot of different sides of the coin. And I think that the major reason why a lot of podcast publishers are, are I would say, a little bit apprehensive on digital, um, on dynamic ad insertion or programmatic is that it's a control issue. And yeah. as someone who has control issues, I totally can understand that. So I get where they're coming from. Yeah. It's like, but it's like, we try to educate them. Like you have the control right. and it's like, and if it doesn't make sense now, don't ever just say never, just say I'll tell you, you need to be here and here at this rate with this type of impressions. Then this is where this math starts to work out well for you. Um, and I think a lot of people, they've done um, podcast publishers a little bit of a disservice by selling them, I call it blue sky and selling them a belly gives of like, oh, it's going to do all of this. I'm like, no, it's it's going to be tough in the beginning. I'm not going to lie to you. You're learning a new platform. You're trying to figure out a new technology. It's like weird. Our goal is to simplify audio, which is like saying I want to be carbon neutral tomorrow. I mean, it's like such a very complex industry in the technology standpoint. But we are constantly trying to ask ourselves, does that make sense to somebody who has not lived, breathed, and died audio ad tech for the past 20 years or 10 years or five years? Mm -hmm. How can we kind of just simplify the emotions, do they really need to know how to do certain technical aspects of our industry? And what can we take off of those pub publishers so they can just do what they should be doing, which is mm -hmm. focusing on awesome content. That's right, right, right. I know. I'm like, I don't want to lay weigh you down with like how you to how to like metadata insert and all this other stuff. I just want you to continue to do the great things that you're doing, which is telling stories and doing great interviews and getting your, your vision across in a podcast, you know? And I think that's, what's really tough because even a podcast movement, you know, this past, you know, a couple of weeks ago in Dallas, there's a lot of great content out there, but I think it's also, you can feel, a, I wouldn't say slight frustration on technology, you know, yeah. they want to do it. There's a need for it. I think this is the first time I think you'd agree, Heather, that actually people actually said programmatic without kind of like spitting. I mean, I was like, <laughs> you know, in the end, like, like a couple of years ago, you know, I would say it and I almost had a run because I thought I was going to get flamed out of a room, you know? So now they're like, all right, we kind of like what Rocky's saying now. Okay. Which is fine. I'll take yeah. it. I'm not going to be 50. Yeah. So I think it's like my goal is really in talking to folks like you, and I know you understand this as well too. It's just really just to be like, there's choices out there. Right. At the end of the day, there's choices. I will tell you things like I would not like one thing is I would not do an exclusive deal with one demand partner unless they are paying you a lot of money because that almost becomes what I call a branded podcast. So if they're, it's, it's a choice. If you're going to do it, just make sure you're getting paid well for that total ownership of your advertising mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say, you know, the other thing is like you mentioned earlier is making sure that you're working with a host or um, companies that are allowing these type of transactions or at least open to them. 
I think everybody's trying to figure things out right now. I mean, we're a little bit ahead of the game because we came, a lot of us came out of the digital audio streaming space. So this is kind of like our second rodeo and we're trying to be like, oh, let's not do that again. Or yeah, let's do that again. Cause right. we have a lot of scar tissue of things. I'm like, yeah, that didn't work out too well last time. Let's not go and do that with podcasts. So it's actually really nice because where podcasting is coming in is actually it's 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 kind of coming in on the second wave, which is really nice because we have a lot of lessons learned and we're going to learn new ones too, because podcast is different. Right, right. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I love, I love that perspective from Soundstack, especially because I know that your whole company has roots in audio and a lot of streaming. And I think yeah. you are taking a lot of that learning and applying it to podcasting. Uh, what I definitely see um, that I believe you share is a gap in education yeah. And the question I always have is how do we educate people? And, and for me, there's always, there's, there's a few different camps of people, right? So you've got the podcasters, which mm -hmm. like you and I said, I mean, the reality is, is we want you, if you're a podcaster to show up and make a great show, that should yep. be your job. You know, I don't, you don't need to understand all of the ins and outs of everything podcasting. You just need to make great content. Then you have the agencies who they should all <laughs> understand, you know, the space, but I mean, let's face it. They don't all totally understand it, which is, is, you know, there's a lot that changes. It's there's hard to keep a up. lot of fragmentation going on right now. I hear and you. There yeah. is, there's a ton of yeah. fragmentation. And then you just have like just an individual business even who's like, you know, I'm not working with an agency and it's just my marketing in-house marketing team. And we want to figure out how to get into the space. So every, every segment is going to be slightly different. How do we approach education when there are different levels that need to be educated? Yeah. And that's been really challenging for me over the years. So uh, a lot of people don't know, I actually, my degree is in education. I used to be a music teacher. And so this is probably why I'm such a natural giver of knowledge because I really I really want to help out people. And as you know, Heather, I'll talk to somebody, not even to like close them on business. I'm like, talk to me about your problem. I'll consult you on a consultative 15 minute stand up here in the hall. Like, what are you doing? And I think what's really been challenging is to your point, there are so many flavors. There's even some podcast publishers who like want to live on donations, which is great. I actually was a model I've had in the past. And I think for the ones that do want to, you know, figure out a way to really optimize their revenue, I think we need to have more basic conversations. And I think what's happening is that you're having, it's like there's really no middle class of knowledge. Like I say, we're we're getting into where a democracy doesn't work anymore. So you have the the people who really know this stuff and they're, you know, tend to be pretty big. And then you actually have some podcast hosts that are long tailing or they have a long tail, like I'd say Blueberry is kind of like this, where you, you would think that, you know, Todd, because he's always been focused on long tail, he actually is quite robust, like robust and knowing his knowledge on programmatic. But a challenge was like, how do we basically connect these platforms to make them work? And I really like to depend on, you know, people like Todd, people like you who really work with podcast creators every day. But I, to your point, I will do, I, I thought about doing webinars. I have thought, I, I mean, Rob Greenlee and Len, I kind of laugh every once in a while because we did the programmatic one-on-one or dynamic ad assertion one-on-one in like 2017. And I almost, when I was doing my latest presentation, I was going to, I was going to call me like, Hey, do you have that deck around? Just, I'd be curious to see what I said five years ago. It might be the same thing. And yeah, so we're, we're, you know, there's people like us who are constantly trying to educate, but you know, Heather, I'd be open for suggestions because I know I get really, I, I talk really fast and I'm always trying to slow myself down. I get really excited about the technology, 
And I just need somebody to moderate that who works more. I work with creators, but I don't work at a show or a network or somebody who's doing day in and day out creation of podcasts. And I think we need to know more about what's going on that side so mm -hmm. we could become better technology partners. We can create better product. And that's where that's what we're really trying to do is just talk to folks and make sure that are you understanding this? Is this making sense? Let me try it in a different way. Let me explain it a different way. Let me draw a picture for you. I mean, I'm open. I, Heather, I would, I would love to figure that out because I think that's our challenge right now. Yeah, I totally agree. And I really do think that it all comes back to, to fragmentation, but it's so challenging because, you know, I, I look at, at YouTube, for instance, and I think, so easy for YouTubers, right? They just create their videos, they upload them. Maybe they've got some host endorsement ads in their videos. Maybe they don't. They just plug into the YouTube ads and they just are put out there. The average YouTuber doesn't really even need to think about monetization or ads because YouTube just makes it super simple. Like, do you want to monetize your show? Yes. And I say that I've never actually used YouTube in that capacity, <laughs> but I presume it's pretty easy. No, right? it is. It There's actually millions is. of creators. Yeah. And I think the challenge with podcasts, it, it's, it's strength and it's challenge, which is I love the open ecosystem that we have. And I don't want Spotify to come in here and take over the entire industry yeah. and everybody just create a free podcast and put it up on Spotify and Spotify just puts ads in it, right? Like I yeah. don't want that. And I don't think anybody wants that. The challenge though, is that, you know, it's like the Soundstack platform is amazing. I know our team had a tour of it just um, last week and they came back and they were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, which Thank is so great. But it's one, it's one piece, right? It and is. there are every, every company, every technology is a different, is a different piece. And so I don't, I don't know when we're going to get to a place where there is more commonality or where there, it, and it even comes down to just the, the words that we use and the meaning of those words. So I feel like as an industry, we do have a lot of work ahead of us to try mm -hmm. and come up with something that just makes it simple. And that's what yeah. the content creators need is they just need simple. They just need click that button and monetize my show. And yeah, maybe there's a five or 10 other questions they have to answer, but yeah. then that's it. Right. And it I, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to get there. It, it, this is the other thing that's really interesting. And, um, I, I'm trying to remember where I read it recently. It's, I think it was maybe Tom Webster a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, we forget when it's with dynamic ad insertion. Okay. This is the thing I've noticed about the podcast folks is that they take they take their advertising very personal. Very, very personal. And I think what with dynamic ad insertion, you kind of got to get yourself out of the head of a little bit that it's not about you, the podcast publisher. It's about the person who's listening. So if the listener likes certain things, they're not going to find offense by this because the way that we target is we try to give them relevancy. And so it's, it's just interesting because they're like, I can't believe this ad was heard on my podcast. I'm like, well, your listener is into prepping and, you know, likes to buy dried food. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you know, my point, yeah, you could be listening to NPR, but that person might still like this or whatever it could be. It's funny because, you know, we get into these like, 
you know, they, they, they hear that. And I always have to remind them. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, it's for the listeners, not for you to decide mm-hmm. what is, and that's why we keep, I want to make these type of targeting capabilities better mm-hmm. because, you know, I want to know about travel and how to make my kids smarter and all these other fun things, you know, tell me when there's a sale at Macy's, I'll probably go down. Don't really need to know about spark plugs at AutoZone. Love AutoZone. You right, know, it's right. not my jam. I mean, right. you know, so that's just it. Or, you know, I already have a mattress. Stop sending me an ad. I bought it from you last week. I don't want to hear from you, Casper, anymore. You know what I'm saying? And these are the things that I wish we would get better at because I think that becomes a little bit, I think it's, I, I don't like the ads. And I'm like, yeah, it seems like we're, podcast is the only one to your point with YouTube. I very rarely ever hear a YouTube you know, creator ever being like, I'm not going to be on YouTube because I don't like the pre-rolls it's giving my my users. Right. Right. I, so that's a little different. So yeah. I'm kind of working through that. I don't really have yeah. an answer to that as yeah. much as I'm kind of thinking through the logic of it, of like how we can kind of get people to understand that dynamic ad insertion is truly one to one to one to one. I mean, we have probably, uh, no kidding, probably, I would probably say uh, 250,000, like quarter million different campaigns at the minimum running right now on our marketplace. And that's all to make sure that we are targeting correct, relevant advertising to people who actually might have an interest in it instead of like an annoyance with it. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Well, Rocky, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, this conversation uh, has been amazing and I appreciate all of, of your words of insight. So if if a podcaster were listening to the show and they were like, how do I tap into this programmatic world that they've been talking about, how would someone do that? Um, They could either reach out directly to me. I'm like rocky at soundstack.com. Also, go to our website, you know, submit. We're more than happy to speak with you. Um, also, uh, work with some of our partners like, uh, Blueberry is also there. They've been our, they've been our spirited animals to come in with us to figure out. Cause it like, and we always say, you know, we're still working through it and we're trying to, we trying to make it really a viable product for a lot of podcasters and we're still working through it, but it's, it's really yeah. good product. So it's like Blueberry and like work with other, you know, make sure you're working with content management, um, platforms or hosts that actually do this. That would be the best way. But um, if it's not us, we 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 kick to competitors and everybody else. We're those holistic good people that if we don't have a solution for somebody, we definitely try to push them in the direction with some of our fr- we call our friends and family in the industry that it could probably help them out better than we could. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So really, a podcaster just has to think about the hosting provider that they're on and make sure the hosting provider that they're on has access to those programmatic apps. Exactly, and I would say not just programmatic, but also direct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say dynamic ad assertion as well as programmatic, depending on what your goals are as a creator. And I have to always state that depending on what yes. your what, what your, your goals strategy are. is. Or, or, or work with people like you, Heather, too. I mean, you're awesome yeah. at it. So I mean, you're really good at shepherding people, as I like to say in podcasters, to really figure out what their what their essence is and how they want to basically, you know, reach those goals. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rocky, for being on thank the show. You. And thank you for listening. I hope that this program has been educational and maybe insightful. And if you're interested in learning a little bit more about podcast advertising, you can head on over to our website, True Native Media, and download our guide on podcast advertising. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry. 